Welcome 2209. This is Dave and we have Mike with us. We also have special guests with us, Amanda Meyer and Amy Rudd. And we're here to talk about CAP. So CAP is the Community Action Program. It is the political arm of the UAW. Contrary to popular belief, we cannot use dues dollars for political activity. So we have what's called VCAP and it is voluntary CAP contributions. And so we can take through payroll deductions, we can take contributions monthly from people's checks. And we use that for our endorsed candidates or different political issues. And it's kind of to combat some of the big business and corporate interests, pack money that goes into the political system. It's our way of, you know, using our power. So with the VCAP, how would a member go about signing up for VCAP? So any member can come up to the hall and fill out a VCAP um, contribution card. There's just a little bit of information you fill out. You check a box for um, how much money you'd like to donate out of your check monthly. You can do anywhere from a dollar to we have different contribution levels that give you gift every year. So like if you wanted to be a director's club member, you could fill it out for $50 a month and you would get certain gifts every year from the region and we have that's the director's club and then you have a level at $25 that is called the platinum club you still get annual gifts but they're just a little bit less than um, maybe less cool than the platinum club and then there's an activist level at $15 a year and so if you're a director's club member at $50 you get the same gifts the activist level gets and the platinum club level gets plus an additional gift so Anybody can, they can talk to a CAP committee member to sign up or they can come down to the hall and fill out. And that's a monthly deduction, right? Correct. Okay. I thought you said year, but that could have just been me. So do you have any examples of the gifts that you guys give out or does it differ every year or how does that work? The gifts differ every year. This year for the platinum club level, there was a, I'm sorry, the director's club level, we gave a cutting board. Platinum club level, they received a shirt and a pair of socks. And then for the activist level, they received a pair of socks. Okay, that's pretty cool. That, that is that cool. is pretty cool. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Why why is it such a big deal for, why should I contribute to the account? Because, I mean, unions got its own money, right? And candidates, they don't really seem to need much help with donations, so... What, what what would be your argument to me to say, Mike, you should donate to VCAP and this is why? What would you say to that? Well, so I would argue that candidates don't necessarily have all the money they need. But for us specifically, the reason it's important for us to give is because we know that every type of group, every business has their own lobbyists. Mm -hmm. So we have to be our lobbyists, right? We have to care about our interests. And so we're never going to be able to compete financially against, you know, special interests and things like that. But because these PACs can give unlimited amounts and we're never going to be able to compete financially, but we have to do something. If not, we're letting them control everything. Our way to be able to fight back and push our labor agenda, if you will. So we're out here trying to support candidates who support labor. And we can't do that in any financial way through dues dollars. And so it is our only way to fight back in the political arena is to utilize the funds that people give us voluntarily out of their check monthly. So I've heard of this program called uh, Path to Power, right? So that is where, is that VCAP or the CAP committee? Which one is it? Well, it's actually CAP throughout the state. So it's all okay. the CAP councils are participating. And so along with that, then the CAP committees. I think. So can you tell me a little bit about how that works? Sure. 
So each local union has a CAP committee and they function within their local union. And then above that per se is like the CAP council, which incorporates multiple local unions. So like, for example, here in this area, we are the Greater Allen County CAP Council. And so we encompass seven different counties in Northeast Indiana. So any UAW local that's within those seven counties is a member of our CAP Council. And then so above that, you have the state CAP board. All of the CAP councils throughout the state, their chairs belong to the state CAP board. Okay. So with Path to Power, that is the councils that you're talking about. They're the ones that select the members that are going to, that the union's going to back for their local election, maybe, right? Yeah. So when it comes to endorsements, not necessarily for Path to Power, but just in general, when it comes mm-hmm. to endorsement, typically that comes from the CAP councils. Okay. So all of the locals in the area are giving input into who we should endorse. When it comes to statewide offices or federal offices, a lot of times that stuff comes from the state CAP boards. So that's all the councils throughout the state participating in conversation. Of course, they're taking input from the CAP committees and the CAP councils in order to con- come to a consensus. But so it depends on the which level of office, like again, for president, that's going to be coming from the International Executive Board. So they're going to take input the different states in order to come to a decision. Okay, so whenever I contribute to VCAP, say I give $10 a month, whatever, where, where are those $10 going? Are those all going to uh, like presidential candidate or those all going to like Senate candidates or local candidates or... How does that, where does the money go, basically? Absolutely. So here in Indiana, we're not really a hot state for presidential elections. So in order to use our funds more effectively, most of the money that we spend on candidates, and at least in our cap council here, goes to local candidates. We are putting, investing our money locally where we feel we can have a bigger impact. So yes, some of your voluntary contributions are going to go to the national cap fund, but predominantly most of it's going to stay here locally. And we have chosen, and, and granted, we take input from from everyone, but we're, we choose most of the time to keep our stuff local. And we're, we're focusing on, you know, city council races and offices here locally that we can have a larger end. Okay. Uh, do you have any more questions, Dave? I don't have any for the VCAP. I think we covered that pretty good. Okay. And you did say something about Path Power, and I didn't get to it because, like, we got sidetracked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, but, go ahead. Okay. So Path to Power is a new program that we started in conjunction with all of organized labor, actually. So it's the AFL-CIO kind of heading this up. And it's not a new program nationally, but it's a new program here in the state. And so they're partnering, AFL-CIO and all of the unions that fall underneath the Indiana State AFL, um, which we are not currently affiliated, but we do partner with them a lot. So this is one of the ways that we're partnering with them. We have launched this new program called Path to Power where we are recruiting union members to run for office because who better to have our back than us, right? We, we're we endorsing candidates normally based on who supports organized labor. So that we know that our union members support organized labor. It's, it's what we do, right? We started recruiting candidates from a low level, right? So like school boards, town councils, things like that. We had our first group last year. And the goal is to help these people, give them the resources to run for office. So to give them some training if they need it on how to run for office, give them some financial backing in order to win their elections, and then give them some people power, right? Because like you always need volunteers. And so basically to build this coalition of people supporting our own members running for office. And we were extremely successful this past year on electing an overwhelming majority of our power candidates. And as the program builds, the goal is 
to have enough people and say school boards and town councils that we can start running those people say next time around when there's a county race open we can run one of those pet the power candidates for a county race and then a state legislative race and then maybe someday governor or congress and so it, it's to have a, a larger impact and to make sure that we're our voices are being heard at all levels of government that sounds like a great idea but one thing you talked about if i'm a republican you're telling me that you might be supporting some of my own candidates as long as they're supporting labor it doesn't matter what uh, initials next to their name they support us we might help with their election absolutely so one misconception of the cat program is that we only support democrats and that is absolutely not true we support candidates who support labor so um i know our cat council specifically and i can speak to that because you know we ran the endorsement process here we did endorse a republican last time he was very pro-labor and so we had no there was no issues there endorsing him there was no arguing about it you know as long as as that person supports labor we don't care what letters next to their name whether it's a d or an r or an i we don't care that the same goes for path to power we understand that especially a lot of our members live in areas that are very conservative you know we're probably better off having a member who supports organized labor but happens to also be a republican running in those areas and um, we can have a huge impact as long as we have people who are pro-labor representing us the rest of it doesn't matter when it comes to, to the cap council we're trying to support candidates who support us all right um i think this will be a good segue into class that uh, we're about to talk about but um one thing you mentioned you keep talking about why it's so important to support labor so why is that why why should i care whether a candidate supports labor like there's there's so many other issues going on why is that such a big deal right what's well, our livelihoods us specifically it's what we do right so we just came back from a 40-day strike having candidates or elected officials who support us is huge when it comes to a strike having all the community support we can get you know at the end of the day we can negotiate everything we want locally our bargainers here can negotiate all the wonderful things that we ask them to mm -hmm. but at the end of the day whether it be town councils on up to congress they have the power to take that all, all away with the strike of a pen so and we've seen it numerous times with right to work and things like that and they're relentless right and their attacks on labor so that's why it's so important because no matter what we negotiate they can take it all away from us okay so uh dave and i attended this class today I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good program. It's a very good class. We talked about bread box versus the ballot box. Mm -hmm. What have we gained and then lost on the bread box and ballot Before box? Before you get into that, um, let, I mean, let's explain that. Obviously, the ballot box is obvious. There's a famous quote from Walter Ruther, and that says that basically anything won at the bread box can be lost at the ballot box, which means anything won through collective bargaining can be taken away through in the legislative policy. And so that is a big deal and why it is so important to be politically engaged. Whether you're politically involved or not, politics still affects you, affects your family every single day. Whether you vote or not, it is part of your life. So it is very important to be engaged. Right. I always tell people, like, even if you don't care about politics, politics cares about you. Exactly. Because literally everything in our lives is tied to politics. Everybody should be voting for labor because that's, a, that's what's going to affect us the most yeah. as a whole. 
I mean, every everything else, yeah, I, your beliefs are your beliefs, but the one thing we all have in common is that we keep production going. If right. something happens, you can care about healthcare as much as you want if we're at a job. That, that doesn't matter. Well, and people like to throw wedge issues at us, right? So it's like these conversations about gods and or God and guns and things like that and all that stuff. It's definitely important to who we are as people, right? Like the way you view guns or the way you view religion. When it comes down to it, like nothing else matters if you can't put a roof over your family's head. Nothing else matters if you can't feed your children. And so like our livelihoods, protecting our livelihoods should be number one to all of us. And so... Like you said, it, it all goes back to electing candidates who support us because without it, we have nothing. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about the class? Like you don't have to go into content so much, but like what, what was the overall idea behind forming the class and what you guys want out of it? Well, so we have a really important election coming up. And I know everybody always says this election is the most important election, but like this election is the most important election of my lifetime. <laughs> I, I mean, with with labor being under attack so much, I really think like as our numbers as organized labor, as our numbers decrease, we're losing our ability to fight, right? The less people you have, the less powerful you are. The conversation about starting this class was helping. We have a lot of people that want to talk to their coworkers about politics, about why electing labor-friendly candidates is so important. They don't really know how to start that conversation. It can be very uncomfortable because you know, we are raised from a young age not to talk about politics, right? But that's a horrible way to look at things because everything in our lives is affected by politics. So if we're not talking about it, we're not talking about these real things. It's like there's an elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. Basically, this was to help make people feel a little more comfortable having conversations with these people that you work with every day and to find some common ground because whether you identify as a Republican and I identify as a Democrat, there's always going to be places where we have common ground. And when we work in the, in the factory together and we care about organized labor and we care about our contracts and fighting for workers, we know we can find common ground on organized labor. That's kind of why we decided to, to do this class. It's actually funny that you uh, bring that up. Actually, Democratic and Republican candidates actually have more in common than they don't. It's the few that we don't have in common with the other side that pits us against each other. Well, and it's way easier to divide and conquer, right? It's so easy when they can divide us through these little issues that, like I said, of course they're important to us, right. but they don't have to be the overriding thing, right? So like like I had mentioned before, if you can't feed your kids, right. you don't have a roof to put over their head, who cares about whether or not you can own a fully automatic weapon or not? You know what I'm saying? Like. Right. Those aren't the things like being able to take care of our family first and foremost is most important. And the rest of these little things that they try to divide us on, regardless, people, just because you identify as a certain political party doesn't mean you agree with everything about that political party. And I think that's the big misconception is, like you said, there's more in common than, than we have different. And I think it's it helps teaching people how to have these conversations to kind of identify where we have common ground. It can be scary, but once you learn how to start those conversations, it becomes so much easier to have these conversations. The PRO Act, could you explain what the PRO Act is, Amy? Yeah, the PRO Act bill is a bill that um, went into the Congress that would protect our bargaining rights. What it would do, it was would take, where companies, if we were going on strike, 
they can't replace us with permanent workers and lose our jobs. And it also would stop the national right to work. So would that eliminate right to work in the states where it currently exists then? Yeah, it would be nationwide. So, so it would it'd be... just be no more right to work anywhere, right. basically. Okay. So... And so it passed the House and now it is stalled in the Senate. Shameless plug to call your senator and ask Mitch McConnell to bring it to a vote. <laughs> yep. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So the PRO Act would help workers who want to organize, help them organize faster or easier. I mean, it gives some power back to collective bargaining. I mean, we've lost a lot over the years. This would kind of help give some power back to the collective bargaining process, organizing as a whole, yeah. So not just new unions, like existing ones that have had some power stripped away. It would give the power that was taken back. In class, we talked about core values and being in the UAW Constitution. Where can you find that in the UAW Constitution? So at the very beginning of the Constitution, I believe it's Article 2, Section 1, 2, 3, I think four, it's page 5. Okay, so page 5, it talks about our core values, and they're right up front because it's what's important to us, right? It's like what we were founded on. It's the things that we believe in. And so a lot of people think that you know our only core value is to negotiate good contracts for our workers, right? And it's like, yeah, that's a really important one. It's a huge part of why we exist as an organization. But we have several other core values that are equally as important, like equality. We were founded on equality. You know, if I didn't work for, if I wasn't represented by a union, statistically, I would be making less than the, the man working next to me. And being in a union, I know that I'm going to be treated equally. And so that's a huge part of who we are as an organization. You know, whether people like it or not, a huge part of who we are is affecting change through legislation. And it's one of those things that, like, people don't like to talk about politics. You know, everything we've talked about today, it is everything that we do and everything that we experience is affected by politics. Of course, the UAW wants to play a role in our own future. And so not just fighting for for our own members, but fighting for the community as a whole. You know, we do a lot to help workers who are not unionized, not just to get them to help them organize, but to help them just to receive wage increases and things like that. So we're out there fighting for everyone because we know an injury to one is an injury to all. The opposite is also true. When when one person does better, we all do better. We believe in lifting up everyone. You know, those are the four core values that we hold very dear to us and why we, we were founded as an organization in the first place. What would you want to say to end this podcast to try to encourage people to go out and vote? Um, I think I've said it probably 10 times already in this podcast, but like whether you are interested in politics or not, politics is interested in you. So like everything that you do in your life, whether it's the roads you drive on to drop your kids off at school to the, how much funding that school is going to receive to paying for your kid's college education to you know literally everything in our lives things that we don't even think about give me an issue and i can relate it back to politics you know if we're not out there representing ourselves and making our voices heard someone else is doing it for you and they probably don't have your best interest in mind for me it's just like getting average people out there who aren't millionaires and billionaires to make their voices heard and have some representation that benefits them and I, I think if people realize how powerful just one vote can be, I mean, we had a mayoral race last time around, I want to say in Southern Indiana, that actually ended in a tie. People can say all day long that their vote doesn't count, but like we have real life situations recently in our own state, 
signs in our own area that I could show you where literally one vote or five votes really made the difference. You know, if you're if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And more often than not, organized labor is on the menu. And so I think that showing up to vote is the first step in fighting back against all of the BS that comes our way. When do you have to be registered by to vote for in Indiana? For the primary or, or the election? Both. I think primaries you already have to be no. registered. All right. So it's, Why don't you tell us? It's 30 days before the election. So without looking at a calendar, I can't tell you the exact date, but it's 30 days before the election. Okay. And in Indiana, we can register online. So that's super helpful. That's what I was going to say because I just registered online. Do you know the website to go to to register? Indianavoters.com will get you to the website. In order to register on the website, you do need your driver's license number. If you don't have a driver's license or you don't know the driver's license number, can register with a paper copy. Here at 2209, we have copies available. We can get you registered to vote. So So if I needed to register and I came up to the hall, who would I see? Would I just go talk to Erica? Yep, Erica usually has the forms. If she didn't, she could leave a note for some, you know, one of us, the CAP committee or the CAP council to come out and talk to you directly if need be to get you a form. It is really important to note that if you are a woman and you got married and you changed your name, you need to update your registration. If you moved out of your district, you need to update your registration. Um, Even if you didn't move out of your district, you should still update your address on your voter registration. And all of that can be done online. It's super easy. Click to update, you enter the new information, and, and that's it. So It's also important to, to check your voter registration to make sure that you still are registered to vote. Yes. Do you go to the same website to check that? Like if I want to just double check that I'm verified and registered to vote, I can just go to that same website Amanda mentioned? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, because I've seen that on there. Okay. Because uh, it had like two little... I verify. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. What's the other questions you have? I think that was it. I believe. You said you had three more. That was one. I don't even know. <laughs> That's right. I'm losing it. I appreciate you guys, though. All right. Yes. We need to do an outro real Thank- quick. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Dave Wise. Michael Scott from The Office. Amanda Meyer. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. And remember to get registered and go vote.